0: LinkedIn, the place to be. To be.
1: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss.
2: You're listening to Studio 22. Welcome to Studio 22. I'm Brock O'Hearn. I'm sitting here with the one and only Will Meldman, the coffee-pouring, steam-rolling son of a gun, my co-host. And across from me, a dear friend, a long friend, TJ Millard, who has an incredible story, an incredible life. I'm very excited to hear about it, or we won't hear about it. You have to talk for us to, to hear. But, uh, you know, TJ, you have a very interesting uh, skill set. Very impressed by your skill sets. your first, one of your earlier careers. One yeah.
0: of the earlier careers. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you're referring to my, uh, my backgammon.
2: Backgammon years. Uh, yes. Professional backgammer. Yep. Never yep. won a game, but backgammon. still from,
0: from, from, from 12 to 15 world yeah. champion backgammon yeah. player. There we go. Um, uh, I assume we're talking about the helicopter thing.
2: The helicopter thing. Yeah. I was going to go into chess right after backgammon. Yep. How uh, no. you've never beat me, but here we are. Here we are. I'm undefeated in chess. <laughs> oh, it's because he didn't cheat with you. Um, uh, I don't cheat, <laughs> but Will has beat me. Will is actually insane. Um, yeah, no, Apache pilot for the army, dude.
0: Yes, I, uh, I did have the, the honor and the privilege of flying the most uh, technologically advanced helicopter on the face of the planet and serving this country and protecting, uh, protecting the ground soldiers. So.
1: Before
2: we go any farther, I want to say, thank you for your service. Oh,
0: thank you very much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's awkward when people say that, but uh, I think I've just kind of, you just, I appreciate that, thank you. What's awkward you know? about it? I don't know. Cause like when you're doing it, you don't feel like you're like, I wanted to do it. I enjoyed doing that job and then I made a lot of great friends and and that profession was something that I wanted to do since I was in the eighth grade. So when someone's like, thank you for that. I'm like, oh, you're welcome. I would have done it for free, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but
2: at the end of the day, you're still, you know, serving the country and the, the people of the country. Yeah. And it's, it's a very admirable yep. and respectable thing. It's, Absolutely. we need you. You know what I mean? People Absolutely. like you.
3: There's not many things on this planet, like more honorable than that. And I think that's like a big part of it, right? Like the the risk associated with it that like not everyday civilians kind of experience. I feel like that kind of plays a big part of it. But yeah, it it, it is interesting because like it's such a highly skilled, highly sought after position to do that.
0: It was, I, I think it was, it was weirder to hear it said like, you know, getting thanked for your service before I deployed because mm. I'm like, well, I mean, I've. I went to Hawaii, uh, you know, and I, I flew helicopters <laughs> on the islands. So that was fun, you know, <laughs> after the deployment and, and, you know, the work that we put in over there, um, you can kind of appreciate a little bit more uh, yeah. and, and kind of what you put your life on the line for. And, and um,
2: yeah, so it's nice to hear. Yeah. I mean, with oh, that, yeah. you know, it's, there's an absolute innate risk that you're putting, which is your life and, yeah. you know, your body and, and everything on the line for the good of uh, everyone else, man. It's, it's really awesome. Um, before we jump forward to anything, we're going to, I want to talk more about the Apache uh, and, and what it was like flying that and everything too. But one thing I found uh, very interesting about you that I really love because you are an extremely talented cinematographer, drone operator, uh, and still fly helicopters in Hollywood now. This is true. Um, so I love that you know you continued on that love for flying, I guess, and you know yeah. kept it going. But let's before we get there. Yep. Tell us a little bit more about that experience. How hard is it to become an Apache pilot?
0: Oh, this is how long? How long do you want to talk here? <laughs>
2: Thirty-four seconds. Go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Apache is is definitely in its own league. Um, it is a, a helicopter that requires a tremendous amount of dedication and focus to to learn how to fly it. Um, it uh, requires a certain level of aptitude to uh, proficiently maneuver, and uh, I'm gonna I'm kind of trying to find my words here, but to to proficiently utilize the helicopter the way that it's supposed to be utilized safely and effectively on the combat or in the combat environment. Um, We're the only helicopter out there as at least I could be wrong here, but as far as I'm concerned, we're the only one that uses uh, utilizes the, uh, the FLIR uh, system as our, our main primary source of of flying the aircraft at night. So if you've ever seen um, any videos or pictures of, of Apache pilots in the helicopter, You know, we got our big goofy helmet on, which is a, it's a really cool, really cool helmet. Actually, it's, it's magnetically mapped to the cockpit. So every helmet is custom to your head. And then uh, there's magnets in the helicopter. So wherever I'm moving my head, it is magnetically tracking that uh, so that the weapon systems can articulate themselves appropriately, whether it's the rocket pods or whether it's the uh, 30 millimeter chain gun on the front. Are you kidding? Yeah. So, you know, if I I turn the gun on and I turn this way, now I have my gun looking to the right or looking to the left. Wow, Um, That's like um,
3: science fiction. It's, oh, it's real Terminator real. stuff. It's yeah. real Terminator.
0: It's not. It's not super um, practical. Yeah. But uh, in, in the event of like you need a immediate suppression, you know, you're you're flying along. This guy, three, you know, two o'clock low, starts shooting at you. Okay, was the gun? Look down. And you might not hit him, but you can put rounds on target in the area pretty quickly.
2: Mm-hmm. So does that affect your actual flying? capabilities uh does it interfere with it anyway not maybe not f- capabilities but does it interfere with your flying if you have to be on targets for something uh, if you're looking that way and you got to be going this way and
0: no no so that's that's a big part of the apache is is learning to disconnect your head and where you're looking from what your hands are doing because your mm-hmm. hands are flying the helicopter the 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 your head is not. So, you know, with the, with the FLIR system, uh, where I was going with that earlier is, uh, you'll see us with our helmets on. And then we, we have a, a little reticle in front of our right eye and it's the HDU the head, the helmet display unit. Um, that's projecting a tremendous amount of information into your right eye and on, only your right eye. So you'll have, I mean, everything that you, if you've played a video game, you're going to see, you know, your, your compass, your airspeed, your altitude, um, all kinds of weapon information. And on top of that, you're getting a full color image of, uh, it's, in, it's in night vision, but a full color flare, uh, flare vision, but um, image inside of your of your eye because that's how you're now flying the aircraft at night. So mm, you can't wow. just go and, you know, I mean, you can, you can fly unaided, but you don't have the same type of situational awareness that you would have with this flare because I'm looking kind of like heat vision, right? So I can see what's hot, what's cold, what's really standing out against an environment. I can see any obstacles, like that type of thing. So, predator. Very predatorish.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, all my references are going to be film or TV or something. Sure. I, I'd probably sure. sound like a child, but <laughs> um, that's just how my brain works. Um, is this the most advanced helicopter
0: on the planet? Like yes. one of them? Yeah. It is the most advanced uh, military helicopter on the face of the planet. That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah.
2: The process of being selected to fly that, how many people get the opportunity or even try to. Uh, it's Apache, by it's
0: very. It's a different. It's not how people think. Where it's just like, oh, it's the best of the best. Fly the Apaches. Mm. It is, but no, I'm just <laughs> kidding, I'm just um, it's. Uh, so how the how the aircraft selection in the military works, or in the army at least, um, you're going to go up through flight school, which is you'll you'll. When I went through, we trained on a, on a Jet Ranger, which is a Bell two hundred six type helicopter. Um, and then you'll- Smaller you'll, helicopter? Yeah, smaller helicopter. That's what everyone kind of comes to learn on. And your class it's is like going to be around 20 people. It's like a news chopper. Like the two-seater, like- uh, It or can four-seater. see four. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. can see four. Like but, in Call um, of Duty? Similar. That's actually, that's the helicopter that they train on now. So that, I think uh, the one in Call of Duty is, is now like, it's supposed to resemble like a UH-72 Lakota. Um, And that's that's what they train on now mm-hmm. because the Army, all of the Army's aircraft are dual engine aircraft. So what they want to do is emulate- from the beginning to what you're going to get into. The Jet Ranger was a single engine aircraft. So we went from, you know, managing a single engine aircraft to a monster.
2: Just for a split second, on that note, playing Call of Duty with this guy with his (laughs) military background and and lingo is incredible.
3: (laughs) Warzone two just came out. So maybe us three take
0: a quick break. Come yep. right back. We'll finish shooting. <laughs> I was itching. I was itching. Let's do it. No, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. After Brock and I play, I'm usually I usually got to jump in the ice bath because my back is just sore from carrying that. So oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding, buddy. You 34
2: seconds up the doors over there. <laughs>
0: Oh my God.
2: Uh, <laughs> Please, I'm your favorite person to play with. I absolutely
0: love playing. I'm yeah. just gunfight. They need to add gunfight back
2: in. I'm clipping this, by the way. You just admitted I'm your favorite. So all the, all the other boys are going to know. Every, <laughs> Reed,
0: guys. Everyone's going to be very upset. <laughs> God, <but>. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't have
2: brought up Call of Duty.
0: I apologize. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk under this for an hour <laughs> and then we'll get our computers up. Um, no, but uh, anyway, I, I think where I kind of got sidetracked a little bit was uh, selection for the aircraft. Yes. Your uh, everyone learns to train on that aircraft on the on the little little baby aircraft whatever. Depending on how you do with your check rides, with your um, you know oral examinations, your written examinations, and then ultimately your PT score is going to be the last thing that gets mm. kind of factored into your overall score. And what we have uh, in the military is something called an OML, which is the Order of Merit List. And what that is is a, a list of basically the ranking of how you scored throughout the entire time in flight school. And so the interesting part about it is when you go into this room, they have a little whiteboard there and they, they kind of, you know, pull the projector board and it goes up and you can see this chalkboard. And they, when I went in, they had Apache written on the board. They had, uh, or it was AH-64, UH-60, uh, Kiowa and CH-47. Um, so it was, it was all like their nomenclatures, but it's all the, all the aircraft that we have. And then under the name, it's tick marks. So it's like under Apache, there's two. Under Blackhawk, there's seven. Oops. Bl- uh, Chinook, there's one. Kayo there's two you know and so you're like okay what you've basically just learned is that that's how many are available for selection in this class right now hmm. so wow. in my class there were three apache slots available and the class size is generally around 50 to 20 people so uh they started going down the list and uh I, I was third in my class and they got to my name and i took the first apache and uh the rest is the rest is history so
2: you didn't give that slot up no <laughs> it's a good thing there wasn't two left. You're Thirty know, class, you got a, study a little harder. Were you failing the push-up test or something? You know or?
0: what? Actually, the, the the physical stuff saved me. Oh really? <laughs> I can. I did fine on. I did fine on all my flying stuff. I did fine on on the the PT stuff. The written scores could I bet studied a little bit harder? Probably, but I was too busy playing Call of Duty. So yeah,
2: you're uh, a <laughs> flight simulating. That's yes, real. exactly. There you go.
3: Yeah. Is is uh, the Chinook? Is that like the big transporter one? Yeah, the yeah. two rotors. Okay.
2: Yep. Those are awesome. I always okay. enjoy seeing those. That's fly a beast. Around. Yeah, that's
0: a beast. You know what's a beast helicopter? Is uh, the CH
2: fifty three Sea Stallion. They transport like vehicles. It's like that one's vehicles. in Call of
0: Duty too. But it we, we pulled in we pulled into an airport one time and we landed there. And we we landed next to one of those and I was just I mean our helicopter is big like the apache when people see the pictures of it they're like oh that's cool it's cute you know it is a big helicopter when you stand next to it this thing the the CH53 is a monster you you could damn near put the apache in the back of it like it's like, yeah. oh my gosh that's, it's
2: that's, it's huge that's yeah. wild yeah how many uh i well, I guess you're transporting inside it right is it also carrying is it able to it can carry, it? Yeah. yeah, yeah yeah
0: they carry all kinds of stuff yeah. I mean, Same well, with the Chinook, that'll carry. But I think yeah, the 53, it says a lot more. Fascinating. I, forgive me if I'm wrong, for all the pilots out there, yeah, I could be wrong.
3: <laughs> I'm getting like extreme Top Gun vibes in this conversation. <laughs> yeah. What's the like the main differences between like you know an Apache pilot and like, and, like a jet fighter?
2: Mm.
0: Well, are you the, the pilot itself or the actual aircraft?
2: I guess like aerodynamics. And yeah,
3: everything. the process, the aircraft. Um, is are the jet fighters? only
0: air force yes yeah They're, okay the, the army doesn't utilize any fighter aircraft okay um, we serve the function uh and, and you learn this going through flight school right off the bat you are not there to be a hot shot pilot you are not there to be a rock star you are there to, for one purpose and that is to serve the the troops on the ground right. and, and that is what we do and we do it very well it, so hell yeah yep yeah that is that is our difference you know no. the, the, there might be a if it if we get a call you know that this is a perfect example for us. So, you know, 2017, we're sitting in, uh, we're sitting in Baghdad. Um, well, we weren't in Baghdad, we were in Taji, but, uh, Taji's just, I don't know, 30 minutes northwest of Baghdad, somewhere around there. And, uh, We play Call of Duty because that's what we do when we're on on a uh, QRF shift, which is quick reaction force. So essentially what we do is we can do whatever we want during our time down. And then as soon as that phone rings, you have seven minutes to go from whatever you were doing to get into a truck, to drive out to the aircraft, race into it, put your gear on, get that helicopter ready to fly and take off in seven minutes. So, so you, oh my God. So, so when that call rings, you're in the middle, you know, you're doing this, you doing all the call of duty phone rings. It goes silent, right? Answer the answer. The call Razorbacks launch, hang up the phone. You're out the door and we're moving. That's, and that is, there incredible. is, there is no, there is nothing else I've done in my life that has even come close to the adrenaline, the adrenaline rush that yeah. comes with that type of thing. It just not even close. Um, even talking about it, I'm just like I get it yeah. coming up at the back of my. I'm neck. getting fired up, man. <laughs> um, but it, uh, uh, you know, that we w- as a quick reaction force, we serve the function of of troops and you know, if, if troops are in contact and then they're taking fire or something along those lines, we get launched and we're able to get overhead in, in you know, a couple minutes. Yeah.
3: So you um, can provide like close air support, top tier air support. It, w- will you be protecting the Chinooks as they come in to evac? If, if we can needed, do that as well, yep.
0: Can you evac also? We cannot. Well, in extreme cases, we do have the ability to to get like one or two people out. And okay. it's, it's it's the type of thing where it's more so recovering down to aviators. So we, whenever we fly, we never fly alone. We fly with a sister ship. So it's always two Apaches going mm-hmm. around. And you mess with one of us, you're going to get both of us, you know? Yeah. And so uh, in, in the event that one of us did go down, though, we always had— um, egress procedures, uh, you know, emergency egress procedures being that the other ship is going to land, uh, after the area is cleared out. And we have big, big survival vests on that we wear when we fly and plan is to jump on the side of the helicopter, D ring into the door, and you are going to go for a very cold, wow. loud ride. Yeah. Oh my yeah Cause gosh. you're just on the outside of this thing. And it's, you know, 2000 horsepower, each engine just
3: cruising 2, along and
2: two thousand horsepower. Yep. That does not sound like a fun (laughs) time. (laughs) Don't sign me up for that. Yeah. Um, on the topic of that helicopter and the fun rides, what is the most, if you can say it, intense or extreme maneuver that you've ever done in a helicopter?
0: Oh yeah. Um, what can we say on, on,
2: you can say anything. I I mean, I, I don't know what you can say actually.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, I think what we'll, we'll, we'll just say Let's, is we practice a lot of combat maneuvering flight in the aircraft to, to effectively maneuver the aircraft in the battle space. And uh, in doing so, we, we put the aircraft in very precarious positions and, uh, and stuff that allows us to orient and reorient the aircraft as quickly as, as we need to. So
2: Interesting. <laughs> I feel like I have to interrogate you to get an answer.
3: <laughs> as, as we're kind of transitioning into like your career in film and TV. Yeah. How would you say, and we have, like, obviously so many of your projects to talk about, but I really want to ask this question. Um, When you think, like, Apache helicopter in film and TV, you kind of immediately go to, like, Black Hawk Down. If not Apocalypse Now, but, like, more Black Hawk Down, like, modernly, right?
0: Yeah.
3: Um, How would you say that film did in depicting, you know, like, a wartime scenario and—
0: all that type of situation. Black Hawk Down, I remember seeing that in theaters with my dad uh, and th- that movie, I already wanted to be a helicopter pilot, but that really instilled it. Like, this is what I want to do, which is funny because the helicopter gets shot <laughs> down. And um, so you're just like, all right, this guy's got some screws loose. But uh, it was, um, you know, it's a true story and, and just seeing the, the bravery of those people um, and, and what they put their lives on the line for and, and that, is what was attractive to me about it. You know, I, there, there was always something attractive about like being a police officer or, or, or like, and I went to the, the pilot route, but just being that when someone calls for help, you're the answer and you get to go save the day. And that's attractive to me. I, and that's why I did it.
3: It's incredibly commendable, man. It's, you know, not everyone has that,
0: you
2: know,
3: but but that's, man, it's really impressive. Thanks for you. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, somebody that serves, right? What would you say a helicopter, the most impressive thing a helicopter is capable of yeah. doing in the air?
0: Yeah. Uh, I would say my buddy Aaron Fitzgerald. Aaron, hope you're doing well, bud. Uh, he flies the Red Bull helicopter, mm-hmm. and that does some incredible stunts. And mm-hmm. he's, he's such a skilled pilot. Awesome. And um, yeah, that flips it upside down, all kinds of neat little things with it. And
2: That's so wild. Yeah,
0: it's a, a very neat, very neat helicopter to watch mm-hmm.
2: fly. Now- you work in TV and film. I do.
0: I do. I uh, I came out here in 2018. Um, I know
2: you're not working much these days, but. Uh. <laughs> yeah,
1: right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, came out here in 2018. I actually left the military not under my own, uh, really, choice. I, I got medically discharged from the military. Yep. Uh, I got medevaced out of Iraq in 17. Um I talked about that with uh, with uh, my buddy Ethan Supley on his podcast, American Glutton, yeah. um, a little bit, because we were talking about diet and health and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we'll go into a little bit more detail on that, because it's a long story. But uh, if you want to hear the story, that's where it's Absolutely. At. Yeah, shout, um, out, shout out to that. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so it came here to, to LA uh, and really kind of was aiming at more directing and acting and, and moving into that realm. And I kind of had the skill set of already flying drones and helicopters. And I had flown drones while I was in the military, um, not for the army, but on the civilian side, just as a side business for, you know, capturing video for different casinos in Las Vegas. That's where I, that's where I grew up or where I left my home. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, you can make a a decent living doing that. I was like, all right, that's cool. You know? And then I got introduced to some people out here. Uh, one of my, one of my best friends, uh, Kevin La Rosa, um, Kevin is also a very skilled helicopter pilot one of the best in the business uh, he did all of the aerial sequences for Top Gun 2 he, oh, he flew the jet flew the helicopter the guy's a stud um, really really uh, uh, fortunate to call him, my friend
3: that film had some of the most impressive like aerial yeah. stuff I mean, Dan- I mean, there's no wonder it made $2 billion
0: or whatever it made, but <laughs> man. They they put a lot of hard work into that and, and it paid off. Um, yeah. Tom Cruise, uh, I, I've never met him, but I, I admire his work ethic and I admire just everything that he puts into a movie. And I think when I look at someone like that, I'm like, this guy has the best job in the world because he gets to... He, learn he he. and a lot of actors wouldn't do this they would just you know go and do the talking part and go home go to their trailer yeah. the guy learns to do the actual stunt like learns learns the skill and that's what really attracts me about like yeah. that that well you know even on that general, film right all,
2: all of the actors uh who play the pilots they had to learn how to fly planes and they all get yeah. their pilots pilot yeah. licenses because of it it's like phew. Insane. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm an actor and I can't even fathom doing half the stuff Tom Cruise does, dude. And I would love to do all my own stunts, man. Yeah. But like jumping off the tallest building in the world and doing like- Just insane. Unbelievable, man. Yeah. I I took my hat to him.
3: I might've told this before, but when I was at a CinemaCon in Vegas, they showed this 30 minute thing on Tom Cruise for the new Mission Impossible. Yeah. And he basically, he rode a motocross bike off of a ramp, off of a cliff, and then base jumped right yeah that was like the stunt he did it 30 times that day to get the perfect <laughs> take and i'm like mm-hmm. all those takes look good um and then you know the day before he jumped out of an airplane 20 times yeah. to get it's really impressive
2: but well it's so physically intensive too you know it's like you're i mean imagine your endorphins and your adrenaline's pumping and all that stuff. that's got to be exhausting you got to be in incredible shape man he's what, 60 now, something yeah. like that? And he's still killing yeah, it? he is.
3: I don't think he flew, though.
0: I don't think he flew the, I don't think he, the military allowed him to fly the actual
3: jet. Yeah, he
2: didn't
0: get to fly the jet. Yeah. yeah. He didn't get to fly the jet. Um, obviously, they all got to fly in the jet, which is still really cool. Um, I know he flew the helicopter in Mission Impossible, though. Yeah. It, like, really? In some yep. really cool sequences. yeah. yeah. He, super skilled guy Uh, works hard yeah i didn't know he was an
2: actual pilot no american made american made he flew the planes as well yeah uh, yeah yeah. he he knows
0: how to fly jets too i think he has a like an l39 or some other type of jet but he's got like
2: 20 licenses yeah Yeah. just wild just
0: (laughs) living life right honestly
3: (laughs) what's the army like what's their rule on uh you know if if a film rents out the jets and the time do they have
0: to get like military pilots in order to fly them or can they yeah, generally, I mean, you're never going to have civilians flying military aircraft for anything. I mean, that and makes not sense. Not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So everything has to go through the, the Army, or not the Army, but the military public affairs officers, uh, which each branch has their own. And then, you know, in, the ter- in in terms of movies, everything has to get sent to the DOD and approved by the the mm-hmm. U.S. government and the SecDef of being like, all right, we can do this.
2: And that's is, that. is there any leeway for, uh, let's say, someone who's retired to, and that was their profession in the military, but now they're... Uh, not in the military if to be able to fly one of those crafts
0: uh you're still not gonna not gonna happen not yeah. gonna happen
2: they gotta be
3: active yeah yeah
0: cool yeah
3: well let's talk about some
2: of your shows
0: yeah yeah, yeah. so i mean where, where i was going with with kevin um kevin is i met kevin when i moved out here and kevin works over at a company called helenet um and helenet does uh aerial cinematography um and they also wear a lot of other hats they do uh, the Children's Hospital Helicopter, um, they do Charter, which is kind of where I started doing a little bit of flying out here. Um, had the opportunity to do some sporadic SIC, which is second-in-command second, second in command, uh, piloting on on some of the helicopters over there. Um, and just flying clientele from, you know, whether it's pick them up in Calabasas, take them to Coachella, yeah. and then take them back, you know. And it, it was cool. I enjoyed it. It was a lot different than than what I was used to because literally the— before I jumped into that helicopter, the, the previous helicopter that I flew was the Apache. So I get into this <laughs> thing and I'm just like, this is a lot different than I'm used to. Like <laughs> it's got a little knob for like autopilot, you know, it just turns the nose and stuff. I'm like, all right, this is, this is pretty sweet. <laughs> cool.
2: Who's um, uh the most famous person you've ever flown?
0: Mm, probably Beyonce. Beyonce. Yeah. Beyonce. Nice. Or, oh, wow. Or Will Smith. One of the two. Oh, nice. buddy. Yeah. I, knew, I knew about Will. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, both, both were, very nice people and, and uh, you know, nice to fly around. So cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. But, um, uh, anyway, I ended Back up, meeting, filming, yeah. yeah. And, and ended up uh, meeting Kevin and, and like I was talking about Helenette, uh, and he uh, kind of opened the door for, uh, for me to do some drone flying for Helenette. And my, my buddy Chad daring, uh, worked over there as well. Um, and he kind of, you know, there's a big risk that goes along with it because with these productions, you know, when, when, when a, when a drone company takes on a production, if there's an incident, it's, a big deal um, on whether it's a netflix show or whether it's a a, you know cbs or whatever it is if you have an incident it's a a big deal so finding reliable people to fly the aircraft um is you know not easy so we we had a little trial period and and passed and and kind of just fell into the uh fell under the roster of, of all the people that get to go out and fly, which is about me and another dude, at least over <laughs> at Helinet. and uh, And so we get to work on a lot of cool shows. And, you know, outside of Helenet, I, I have some really neat opportunities. I've gotten to fly with a lot of great companies out here and I'm, I'm super fortunate that they all still call and and, and get to work on these neat shows. Uh, Lightcraft, uh, Lightcraft TV, they did um, uh, Michael Bay's Ambulance, all of the FPV stuff. Mm. So uh, any of the racer drone stuff that you see, it's probably coming probably coming from them. Um, they worked with the drone dudes and all of these companies, they all do just amazing work. You know, you can't go wrong. Um, they're they're all great people and and a lot of fun to work with. So is there any way we could talk about your work
3: on a WandaVision?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't have that many days on WandaVision. Um, in fact, we ended up, most of it was shot down in Atlanta. Um, I ended up doing some, uh, some shots here over at the Disney lot, uh, which was on, I think the finale, the, the, the last episode, um, which was where they were all Flying around and and in the big battle up in the sky, and so you know when you're shooting it, you're like they're, they're talking about you know plates and and they need a clean plate here and then and then we're gonna push in on this and I'm like all right I mean I I like to I view myself as a creative more than than just a guy who's with a camera like and putting in a spot like I like to understand what you want so that we can make it happen. Um, and so when they're describing the shot, I'm like, okay, so we got to move the camera like this and then, you know, make it happen. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was just a lot of plate shots and, uh, nothing, nothing too
2: amazing, you know, but you got to work on it. So on that note though, when you were filming it versus when you saw it on TV, how how different was it even from how you had potentially imagined it?
0: Well, the VFX and WandaVision were insane. Um, so I remember doing some of the shots where we fly into the village and they did like a time warp, uh, while you're flying in. And I was just like, wow. I remember flying it and I'm just like, that's kind of cool to see it, to see mm-hmm. your work, you know? And, and I had really had the opportunity just so thankful for it uh, to fly on a lot of cool shows and I don't watch them all, but you know, every now and again, I mean, we were, we were just, I forget where we were at uh, the other day, but there was a, some TV on in the background and there's a Hyundai commercial and I was like, oh, I remember shooting that. You know, mm-hmm. you know it's, it's yeah. kind of fun just to
2: see that stuff. So but yeah, that's you know. really cool. Yeah. What are some of the shows that you've had a really great time working on?
0: Uh, my recurring one right now is SWAT. Um, and I, I fly all the drone on SWAT. Uh, my buddy Eric does all the FPV stuff, but I do uh, the cinema drone. And um, we get to do a lot of neat stuff. We cool. do a lot of neat stuff. We like blowing up stuff on the show. We like doing car chases. And and as a as a drone pilot, that's a that's a lot of stuff that I enjoy doing. You know, if it's if it's you go to a shoot, it's just like, oh, okay, let's go up and go yeah, down. I'm yeah, like, yeah, this is yeah. a boring day, you know. But if there's a risk of wrecking, I'm sign me up. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I I've seen some really incredible shots that you've done. Um very close calls, everything. How many drones would you say you've ruined?
0: I have uh not crashed one time on a set. And uh now that I just
2: said that, knock on some wood. Bro. Yeah, there there's there's a yeah. the,
0: the wood knock. Yeah. Um I I'm super thankful for that. I I I think part of it is is I do a pretty substantial risk assessment when I'm flying. Um, and I think that that's probably a little bit of a carryover from the military, um, where it's just like, all right, well, these are the obstacles in the area. I know what I'm capable of. I know what this aircraft capable of. And, you know, we just go and achieve it safely. And at, at any point in time, I don't feel safe doing something. I'm not shy to be like, hey, we need to re- re- rethink how we're going to shoot this because this is putting either this actor or this, you know, something in danger. So, oh,
3: yeah. yeah. I mean, you're literally like a producer's. Like, dream pilot, right? <laughs> like, military experience, like, a super talented director. Like, your reel is phenomenal. Thank you. Like, fuck, man. Yeah, Thank I, you very much.
2: I was on set one time, uh, this random uh pilot we were filming years and years ago, and I'm not going to name what it was. <laughs> but <laughs> there was a drone operator that they brought on board, and he was, like, the safety guy, safety drone operator, whatever whatever his title was. But it had something to do with safety, and it had something to do with drones. Um, This guy... <laughs> nothing's safe about him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. He started freaking out on everybody, uh, telling everyone to get out of the way. And he was, he was not a very nice guy, you know? Um, and, and, and that showed, but anyways, <laughs> he went to grab this drone. It was a smaller drone, but it okay. had two, uh, like, um, uh, Like a phantom. Exactly. I think it was a phantom. It had the legs on it. And so when he went to go get it, he grabbed it with one hand the phantom flipped over and both the blades sliced his arm and cut his arm completely oh, open. And I was oh like, boy. everyone looked at each other and I was like, that was the safety drone operator. That was the, that was the, oh. the safety. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think it was not good. It wasn't pretty.
0: I think one of the wildest, wildest. So this is, this has to be weighed out in, in risk versus what you're getting, right? So we were, we were filming for a TV show called uh, Waco. Uh, season yep. two. That's coming out soon. And Wake Up we, Texas. Yeah. And so we we had an Alta X, which is the a very large production drone. It's not like a little it's not an inspire two. It's I mean it's Same. seven feet from wingtip to wingtip. It's a big drone. That's crazy. That's as big as a table. Yeah. yeah. Well, just about. And so uh uh Underneath that, we have a, you know a, an Alexa LF or, or whatever camera they want to fly. I think on this, it was an LF. So now we're talking about, we have this you know large drone and then around $150,000 worth of camera underneath it. So all in all, it's about $200,000 flying around. So they wanted to chase this car uh, and, uh, down the middle of the road in New Mexico and stuff. And they wanted to get like really low. And I'm like, all right, this sounds like a lot of fun. You know, right up my alley, but it's at right. the same time, you're like, all right, if I crash an Inspire two, it's a bad day. It's twelve thousand dollars that we're gonna have to pay to, to get a new one. Whatever. This is bad. Like this is a, yeah. this is a wreck.
2: Some mortgage. And,
0: yeah, exactly. Okay. And so uh, and so we do the shot and and it w- we had st- set up set up to where we were flying from, uh, which was like halfway down the route of where the drone was gonna pass by, just for for signal purposes. And so we started down, you know, at this far end over here, and which means the drone's gonna pass us. And I just remember as we're flying, I'm like bringing it in really low next to this car. I mean, the camera was probably a a foot or two off the ground going around 50 miles an hour. And it passes by all the crew and like I'm flying it as this is happening, like right in front of all of us. And it's just moving so fast with how heavy it is. It's like, you know, and just the whole thing just (laughs) flies by us. And it it didn't take me by surprise because I'm like I'm I'm really focused on the on the monitor what's happening, but I was like that probably looked really cool as this whole thing came flying by. But uh, anyway, got the got the shot. It was super sexy right next to this car, and uh, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. It was just a flyby, like it was nothing yeah. crazy, but Could just the, the altitude. Oh yeah, it yeah. was it's a it was a monster flying by
2: us. The yep. part you're uh, not saying is you're still paying it off to this day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, they were very stoked with That's that
2: shot. Awesome. Um, but
0: uh, uh a, lot of, cool, yeah, a lot of cool ones, you know. Yeah. I've worked with worked with our buddy uh, worked with our buddy Max. Uh, Max uh, Theriot, uh yeah, yeah is it Theriot? Th Theriot. Or Thoreau? Max Thoreau?
3: Yeah. Or am I I'm thinking of the guy, the actor he, in um SEAL yeah. team. He's in oh, SEAL oh, team now, but I'm when thinking, you're talking he was he's a looper. the Peterberg uh, cult show on HBO. Uh, Justin Thoreau. Uh, Justin oh, no,
2: Thoreau. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah sorry. Um
0: but Max is Super talented director yeah. and an awesome guy. Yeah, uh, he me. had me out to fly for um for an, for one of his episodes that he was directing on SEAL Team, and he's like, "All right, dude, I want to get a really low by of these trucks as they're coming. They're getting chased by these guys." I'm like, "You want a low one?" Um, uh? and and he's like, "Yeah." And so, and so we lined it up, and you know, had the inspire and start hauling ass at the uh at the, at the at the three trucks, and literally, I mean, just right before. You know, the drone's about to smack through the windshield, give it just a little bit up, right over the top. And he's like, oh my God. <laughs> it yeah. was, a, that was, that was, that one. That shot was pretty wild, actually.
2: I remember when you did that and I saw it for the first time and I was like, okay, that was inches. <laughs> that was inches, but also you just got yourself more work, buddy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Holy crap.
0: Yeah, that was a fun one.
2: That yeah, was that a was, lot of fun.
3: Is that That's a cool decent too. rush you get when you're flying those drones? Yeah.
0: yeah. If, Like I said, if it's that high intensity. Flying, the quarter million yeah. on the propeller. Yeah. Yep. Even that's, if it's, even if it's not the expensive one and it's just the, the little guy, No. still a lot of fun. Oh yeah. I mean, even yeah. that's going to be 50 K anyway.
3: Too.
2: <laughs> so like, it's not like it's,
0: uh, that's so cool.
2: Yeah. You um, just recently worked with Nick Cassavetti as well, right? On the film.
0: I did. Yeah. yeah. Nick's a, Nick's a buddy. And, and we, we went down to Mexico and scouted his new movie, uh, God as a bullet. Um, and then we, uh, ended up shooting some drone for it as well. Mm. Um, and, uh, had some fun doing that and, yeah. and, and nick's nick's such a great guy he he kind of just opened it up to whatever i wanted to do and he's like he's like i trust you you know go get me beauty shots and, and we did we got some some it's real cool. cool shots for it so one,
2: one thing i loved about that uh relationship because I, I haven't seen the film yet i don't think it's come out yet but it's it's coming out soon i think yeah i think it's coming out soon soon yeah uh but i love seeing you and uh reuter and and him working out <laughs> <laughs> they would do these workouts in the uh with like jeeps, Jeep, jeep Gym—that's what you jeep called it. Jeep Gym, yeah. yeah. So Reuter, were
0: Ruder started that, and it was yeah. because it, we it started during COVID. All the gyms were closed, yeah. so we ended up going out to the Fry's parking lot out in Burbank, <laughs> and we would just pull the jeep, push the jeep on our hands. Like it was a lot of fun. I mean,
2: it just yeah.
0: got you outside, and and
2: I got yeah. in, I got invited a few times. I saw the videos, and I immediately <laughs> said
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah that was that was a lot of fun i enjoyed those that's cool yeah creative covid workouts
2: yeah yep so So now staying fit
0: staying fit uh i'm uh gonna be getting back into a lot more fitness here in the next next couple weeks moving back to moving back to studio city and uh and get get right with jesus in the gym and
1: there you go
2: and all that good stuff
0: so yeah
2: hell yeah It's good yeah tj uh has a long history of being very fit, man, and he—he's uh, he's a beast.
3: I would assume so, man. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, so, the whole time I've known you, for sure. Yeah. And <laughs> describing what you do, I mean, come on, yeah, let's
2: and, go. And he'll—I t- mean, he's sitting here, so he'll tell you, but he uh, will fully admit that I taught him everything he knows too. Everything, so. yeah, uh, every uh, single yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Me too,
0: bro. just
1: taught me everything. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's awesome. Yeah,
0: man. yeah. Fitness is fitness has always been a big part of my life. Um, I, I think it. It should be a big part of everyone's life, to be honest with you. It's just, it, it puts you in the right frame of mind when you're, mm-hmm. when you're having a bad day and, and it gets those serotonin levels up and, you know, gets you through the day. And it's obviously healthy for you. <laughs>
2: Yeah, absolutely. So That I was, I was one of the few things that I had to hold on to when I was younger that really did make me happy all the time. You know, it's no matter how bad the day was, no matter if I wanted to be successful so bad, I want to be an actor so bad, I want to do all these things. And I didn't really have any opportunities at the time. I hadn't even moved to LA yet. And I just remember telling myself that at least if I go to the gym, I did something that helped me move forward in my life yep. in some way. And if that was the only thing that was, you know, progressing my life forward, I knew I had something. Yep. Um, and, you know. Now I'm playing muscle men on uh, various yeah, shows and, cool. you know, doing some stuff. So it's paying off. Well,
0: it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I've, I've really, I, I think about this a lot lately, but I've just been so fortunate to have a great circle of friends for literally my entire life. I've always had just great people in my life, but you know, that's sometimes you lose friends and, and, um, or, or a relationship or, or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, when you go into that gym, Hundred pounds is always a hundred pounds. It's not going anywhere. It's never going to leave you. It's 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 it's, it's Amen.
1: there. <laughs> Amen.
0: So yep.
3: true. I, uh, the gym has got me through a lot of uh, big breakups,
0: for sure. Yeah. Sure.
3: No, but like seriously, you know, you, you got more clarity. You feel better. You're happier. It, it's uh, the discipline that comes with it. Like, I mean. There's nothing like it, man. The runner's high, I got into running. I did like half marathon. Like I was running like crazy. And like, man, I've, that runner's high is like very addicting. You're chasing that serotonin dragon.
0: I have never, ever gotten the runner's high. I get no. I get pissed. Oh, <laughs> like, man. oh, the runner's high is coming. I'm like, well, we're 10 miles in. You yeah. know, we would run all the time in the army. I'm like, it's not coming. It's not here. <laughs> it's not here.
2: Yeah. Oh, I can't stand running. You recently got a, a new camera. I did. Tell us about it.
0: Yeah, I uh, I made a little bit of a jump in my my directing career, I suppose. I, I grabbed a, a Red Raptor, um, and uh, that's a camera made by Red. and mm. They came out with it uh, earlier this year, and um, super awesome camera. It's. It's a monster. Yeah. Hell Which, yeah. not to be confused with the Monstro, another camera by Red, but yeah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> not to be confused with the Ford Raptor. It's just a truck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Um, we shot
3: the, the resort, our horror film on a, is it the Red Helium?
2: helium. Yeah.
3: Is that great the, camera? Yeah.
0: A few yeah. years back, yeah. Yep. Oh, yep. yeah. So, yeah, Red came out. They, they, they I don't know. They made some weird choices with it because, you know, their, their top of the line camera at the time was the Monstro. And when the Monstro mm-hmm. came out, it was an $80,000 camera. And then they came out with the, with the Raptor and it was like more capable than the Monstro, and 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 you know the next color science and all this kind of stuff, and it was thirty thousand dollars. What? Like for a kit? Really? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well. Why? Yeah, I, you know, maybe they're just trying uh, appealing to a wider audience. You know, thirty thousand dollars is a little bit easier to buy than than an eighty thousand dollar
2: camera. Of course. Um, they took all the monstros that were left in the warehouse uh, and chopped them up in a little. Oh, raptor. dude! I just, yeah.
0: I, can you imagine like buying one the, the, the week before like, the, the Raptor drops? Like. <laughs>
2: like me getting my peloton and then you get your nice one right after that's right it was cheaper and (laughs) that happened sick dude love that (laughs) um (laughs) i know we talked about wandavision and uh you know some of those shows especially the marvel and dc spaces have such massive followings and uh so fun one as an audience member to view a lot of them but you now worked on them right and i hope one day you know to work on some but make some of my own as well um but we've got comic-con coming up yeah we we'll talk about a little oh, bit about that you know? I heard
3: you guys are he going. Took, he took no, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, I love no. high five, high five. <laughs> dude. Hell yeah, yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. It's really, really interesting to me that you mentioned Top Gun yeah. and being inspired, and even Black Hawk Down about yep. being inspired because basically the the entire comic of Kane um, happened and was created after spider-man no way home um after going to the premiere with my father and then going again the next day with brock like we created the comic like, that's awesome it, you know I've, I've told the story a few times but it's basically we were like this is awesome we we want we have a story to tell mm-hmm. based around brock as the hero kane yeah and we got to do this like it's time so, oh, so this is brock oh yeah what
2: did you think it was you <laughs> I
3: wasn't, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm
0: just kidding. So no, cool. no but guys, the
3: artists are really good, right? It's like, amazing. It, it, it you looks, guys have done
0: a tremendous job with this comic book and and the art in it is, is just a lot of fun to look at. The pictures are amazing. And uh, the story, you wrote the story. It's a lot of fun to follow. Yeah, um, man. Thank yeah. you very, very much.
3: And like film and TV can be incredibly inspiring. Absolutely. If, if you're a creator, if you're a writer, if you're an artist, if you're a director, if anything, right? Yep. Um. And I just find it really interesting that those two films, like groundbreaking historic films that will be remembered forever, kind of
2: spawned these two projects. It kind of pays homage to, you know, what we fell in love with in film in general. uh, In general, you know, in the beginning, it was just about having real good story, good action, and and not making it anything more. I mean, making it something great, but not more than just an incredible escape, you know, something that we can kind of tune in and enjoy. Yeah. I feel like that's what's one thing that's so fun and great about the fu- the film and movie experience in itself is that it gives us a space to dive into a different universe for a couple hours, you know, and yep. go somewhere else and then just kind of enjoy that, you know? And, I, and that was one of my favorite things about film growing up in the first place. So now we decided, you know, we wanna we want to do that ourselves and give back and, and, you know, maybe we have some cool drone shots in this thing. I don't know, you let me know. You never know.
3: And yeah, yeah. ask yourself like, what would it be like if, werewolves existed what would it be like yeah. if the greek gods like were more interactive with humans
2: right right um present-day descendant of achilles was walking around the earth and, yep. and
3: we get to ex- explore that in this and um but speaking of comic-con so we will have a booth at comic-con la comic-con uh december two through four right here in la at the la convention center We're very, very excited about it. Um, Look out for posts on their social media, on their website, on the app. You can find us all over it. But we're really excited about it. I'm going to be there running the booth. I think Brock might be shooting, but I think he's going to come in Saturday, the 3rd, potentially.
2: I'm going to do everything I can to be there. Hell yeah. Including quit the job. (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh if anybody hears that from the from that <laughs> version, i'm sorry yeah, <laughs> it was a joke <laughs> no. i love my job please don't fire me yeah
3: exactly exactly but no i appreciate the shout out and uh you should come more to come on that yeah come definitely, by. Dude, i
0: will definitely you. swing
2: by yeah, dude, absolutely bring, bring that drone flight around <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man awesome, now you guys
0: you guys killed it you guys killed it. We're fun,
2: really man. And there's, there's room for, uh, you know, you kind of look like Mr. Montclair there, dude. You know, I've been told this, you have this punchable face. It's yeah. just there. It's there. Oh I, God, not I the first time I've been that. told that. Yeah.
0: Super punchable. It's not punchable.
2: <laughs> if anybody punches it, I'm punching them. You know what I mean? That's, that's what friends do. <laughs> He's
0: definitely way younger, but we could like make him look older. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you can make, you know, Benjamin Button work, we can make this work. So <laughs> yeah,
3: it's yeah. true. It's true that's pretty good yeah man it's
2: just it's it's fun having a universe so you can fully expand and you know you know as a as a writer now as well TJ um, being able to dive into your own world and your own universe and just let go and be creative and be free yep it's very liberating absolutely it was a, a good time absolutely yeah yeah it
0: was a lot of fun and it honestly after we finished the after we finished the script that we that we just finished, mm. we're already talking like, all right, what are we doing next? What are we doing next? You know, and, and now it's trying to figure that out. Trying to figure that out, and there's yeah. just so many possibilities. That's the problem. It's like you you have to take this endless possibility and really funnel it into something that you think can work next.
3: Right? I compl- I literally was thinking about this the other day, right? Yeah. I'm I'm finishing up a documentary right now. It's my second feature film. And awesome. I can't really talk about it yet, but it's coming, <laughs> and I, we will. But like, the unknown of what comes after. Yeah. Right. That's why I love doing this. Like, who knows? And and there's plenty of things you're kind of like, think about like, Oh yeah, I could see that. Or, you know, that makes sense. But the, the, uh, not the fear of the unknown, but like loving the unknown yeah and being like, whatever it, it is, I hope it comes from scratch from nothing. Because that's what I love about this. This was a thought, an idea, and we manifested the product and the, and the company out of, out of thin air, right? Like you and yeah. your film, like all that, like our careers and life like um you just work your effing ass off to try to do what you love and um fuck yeah
2: the coolest thing about it too especially being on the other end of it is when you look at that comic book you see okay there's a story you know there's this buff dude long hair right you got a werewolf there a couple different characters in there that look interesting but you know what you don't see is what when i look at it I see the entire universe that we've created. You know, I see all the conversations we've had about where the world's going, and, and all the different cultures and people that are included in it, and having the Greek gods involved. And you know, it's 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 like diving into a portal of another world, man. It's the coolest thing. It's not just this singular moment. It's it's a, an entire universe. It's it's. It's pretty dang cool, man. Well, and the
0: jump from issue one to issue two and everything that comes to light in issue two, you're just like, oh boy, this is this is going some places, you know? <sighs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, it, it, like Brock said,
3: and you just said, like, it, it's a small fraction of what we got. Yeah. Um, and that's the toughest part is like, there's so much more. We just <laughs> got to, you know... Good art takes time. All yeah. art takes time. Yeah. yeah. Um, we also have an Indiegogo for issue two that's live right now. So people awesome. can go check that out on Indiegogo.
0: Awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent.
2: <laughs> excellent. It's,
0: when you're writing, do you find yourself like having to give yourself rules, right? Where it's, it's because if you have, if you have too many, if you have too many opportunities or too many like things that where it can go, I feel like it's difficult to, to hone in and actually move the puck forward. Like right. you have to give yourself some structure. You know what I'm saying? I totally agree. Yeah. Um,
3: it, literally like yesterday, I, I wanted to write because with this story, it can take place any time because it, fam- it follows one family lineage from the Trojan War 3,000 years ago yeah. and potentially even before that um, to modern day. Yeah. So you can really do any time period, which I love about this. Um, And I go up to Brock and I'm like, dude, I want to write something new today. And we basically just talked about time periods. I did a bunch of historical research on like, okay, who's alive at this time? Like 1600s in London or, you know, France in the 1200s, whatever it is. And you can really narrow it down. And there's a new cane coming um, that is going to be awesome in like a really cool time period. Um, that we kind of narrowed it down exactly like you said, like we're going to write something new. We have all of human history to work with. What am I going to focus on? Right.
2: Yeah. And there's so many, uh, films or stories out there that take place, you know, uh, in certain times, right. The thing that I think is so cool about this is we have present day and then you have all the way back 3000 years. And like Will said, potentially more. Um, but it's these time periods that are like, what would it be like to uh, be a gladiator in this time frame? What would it be like to, you know, walk around in Egypt? What would it be like, whatever we can think of. And it's like, well, it's not like we'd have to go create an entirely different, you know, comic book or story or TV or film, right? It's just an extension of what is this universe already. So you get to explore all these different times in the world. And, you know, you know, hopefully this turns into, you know, the, the biggest dream that it possibly can and comes into fruition. And, you know, we're making content on every single highest version and form that we possibly could, but it'd just be so fun to explore everything. You know, like you, one, one second you're a, a savage and like just living in the woods as a beast. And then the next you're dignified and, you know, old England. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's the coolest thing. Man. Yeah. Hell yeah. Super cool. You're going to, you buy 5,000 right now, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm a hiring place order. I, I, had, I had Spencer. Uh,
2: this is a video confirmation. I'm sending to my lawyer.
0: As <laughs>
2: <proof>. <laughs> Full
0: blown proof. That's it.
3: What's kind of the future projects that you can tease?
0: A lot of drone, still a lot yeah. of TV shows, still need a lot of drone work. And what, uh, you give us some of them. Uh, I mean, some of the other ones that I've worked on, you know, previously, um, uh, 911
3: yeah 9 on 911 Yellowstone or not
0: Yellowstone but um the new one coming out uh, 1923 nice. flipped to Montana and shot that um, I was with my buddy uh, Ryan Hoskins and uh, Ryan is is super cool dude he's a, any any you see the um, and I'm, I'm hoping I Get this right because I don't want to discredit someone, but I'm pretty sure he said that. This anytime you, you turn on the Apple TV and you see those beautiful images that are just flying along. Oh yeah, that's Ryan and his dad. Like oh, him, and his dad, yeah. Yeah. him and his dad had that. Always wondered that. He told me that, and I'm just like, wait, you got, you guys did all those? I'm like, <laughs> you got to work with your dad, like every and just go and hang out and do beautiful stuff like Dude. that. Like, wow, what a dream.
2: Yeah, that's cool, and you their know? shots are insane. It's
3: just amazing. Yeah. One of the greatest trips of my life. I was like 10 years old, and we did just like a normal fly fishing uh, river trip in uh, the Bob Marshall Wilderness in Montana. Me, my dad, my brother, and some guides. Very simple, very fun, just in nature. Some of the most beautiful nature in the world, I believe, is Montana.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Now, that being said- We're not flying helicopters. We're not doing that. Well, let me tell you. We're floating down a river, but- Boys, if we ever find ourselves in Canada, I don't know if you guys go to Canada at all, but I have a buddy in Vancouver- his name's Ed and he flies, a, he flies helicopters called Hunter Helicopters. And these things, I mean I mean it's just it's a little M D five hundred, a little blue helicopter, but we rip it right up the river, right up the pit River, go up to glaciers, sure. go up to it's
2: it's amazing. He it flies, is amazing. he flies with his little French bulldog, right? That's Brad. So, oh, that's Brad's Brad, a buddy of mine, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, Brad Brad's videos do they're yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Mr Bentley. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> yeah, Bentley, yeah, the other yeah. bulldog lives a better life than most people. So yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's no, me. man,
2: but I've, I've been to Canada a few times. Uh not not in many years, but it is some of the most beautiful oh landscape gosh, I've ever seen. It is amazing. I'll share a yeah. quick story. One of my favorite and, and of places I've been. Yeah. Um, when I was 12, I had a, one of my best friends, Chris, uh, his family would do vacations every now and again and, and they could bring a friend. And so he would bring me from time to time. And it was the only time I ever got to travel in my life actually, or early, early life. And uh, we had some friends who had a place on the West coast of Canada. And they had this beautiful little vacation home where they invited us to come stay. And so we went up there and it was this big coastline and had these massive trees or, you know, a hundred feet tall uh, all along the coast. And we were sitting looking out one day and we see these, like the whole beach had just turned red. And we're like, why is it red? That's so crazy. Like, what? so we got the binoculars, we looked out and it was th- like tens of thousands of crabs, little tiny Whoa, crabs. Are like, like this is insane, <laughs> right? Yeah. So we walk out and when we walked out, we see him. We're like, oh, this is so crazy, dude. And then I look up and I see a little bird, this little bird attacking. It was, you know, it was probably like this big, honestly, attacking a golden eagle. And I'm like, but it's at the end of the peninsula. And he's like, oh, I don't really want to walk over there. He's like, I'm going to go back in. Dude, I'm going. <laughs> like, yeah. So he walks out. And as I start to get closer, I see a bald eagle yeah. that was pecking at this fish on a rock, like probably 50 feet offshore. The fish was this big, dude. That it had caught and landed. Obviously, it couldn't like fly anymore with it, but it it got it to that point. And then I look up and I see uh, another bald eagle in uh, three eagles. Three eagles. Check this out in um, uh, its nest right up there. So obviously, it's very they want to protect that zone, right? I, I prematurely said that the golden eagle was there. That's not what saw, what I saw. I saw the bald eagle picking at the thing, and then I went around and that after I got close was when the little bird came around the corner and the golden eagle uh, was flying around. So obviously the golden eagle was doing something to take this bird off or whatever, but it was taking it on. It was crazy. And it was flying away like it did something wrong. Well, you just got into bald eagle territory. So they both come out and they go to fly and attack this thing and they eventually get it out of there, right? And I was like, I cannot believe I just witnessed that. I'm 12 years old. This is like the most beautiful landscape right on the beach. You know, like it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And so I'm still walking down the beach and maybe, I don't know, three minutes goes by and all of a sudden I feel this shadow and I'm like, what is that? And I look up and not even five feet above my head was a bald eagle with a seven foot wingspan (laughs) and its talons were the size of my hand, literally. But then the claws were that big on top of it. And I was like, if it wanted to, it could have grabbed me and thrown me 20 feet, no problems, huge, dude. It's just but I, fly
3: away with you. Yeah, but I, <laughs> but
2: I would never, I'll never forget that moment. It was one of the most amazing like moments in nature I've ever had in my entire life. And uh, one of the reasons um, that my grandpa, I, I've said this to you a few times, but my grandpa uh, who passed away before I was born, he used to always say, soar with eagles. Um, and so I hold on to that moment, mm-hmm. reminded of him. And uh it's it's really just a calling to be the best version of yourself, I yeah. think, uh more than anything. But I'll always forget that moment in Canada is beautiful. Oh dude, yeah. It, it, yeah.
0: just just nature in general, man. Like I, I think uh don't get me wrong, I, I will get completely I, I have a I have a call it a gift or a curse, but it's it's a laser focus. So whatever I'm doing, like if I'm actually like invested in it, it is I laser. Like there is nothing that's gonna get in the way. I will I will do it until it's done. It's like I said, a blessing or a curse. Um, but uh I think, you know, if I if I'm doing just 3D animation or if we start playing Call of Duty or whatever it is, it's a lot of fun. I love being inside and I love being on the computer and learning new things and making new stuff or whatever. But there's I grew up outdoors. I grew up riding dirt bikes and quads at the sand dunes with mm. no phones, no nothing. Like you were just in the moment and it was amazing and it was beautiful. And outside in the forest and all that kind of stuff. And I I, I love being outdoors. And so I, I really try and split my time to to get out there and still live life outside and then, you know, yeah. Get the time for the the games and all that stuff. So
2: you just went on a trip recently, uh, where you're riding dirt bikes, right? Yeah. Did you guys end up doing that? We did a little bit. A little bit? Yep. If you decide to buy one, let me know where you buy it because I want to get one so bad yeah. and I just wanna rip around the campgrounds and stuff like that <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, dude. I've been looking. It'd be Dude, so fun.
0: I, I think if I end up doing anything, I'll probably get a quad instead of a dirt bike.
2: Just yeah.
0: as I I mean coming up on thirty-four this month, you know. I don't wanna be I don't wanna be falling off a dirt bike. <laughs> That's true. Um, He's got a
2: Thanksgiving birthday. I
0: do. Oh yeah. no way. I do, yeah. So, Everyone's giving thanks on my birthday. So yeah. uh, <laughs> it's yeah, not for me. Oh, yeah. It just happens to fall on the day. Uh but um yeah. So that was that was a fun trip. A lot of skydiving on that trip, actually.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Is your first time?
0: No, that was my second time. Yeah. Uh but that was my first time like actually getting a lot of time in the tunnel, which Dude, so my buddy like just went full-blown, jumped into skydiving, no pun intended. Like he just jumped, you know, head first. And he went from, this year he started in January. He has like 750 jumps holy, already.
3: Holy shit.
0: Which is, it's, that's wild to have that many jumps in one year. Wow. And the guy's the guy incredible at it. And, uh, that's amazing. and so he, you know, he kind of afforded me the opportunity to go spend some time in Arizona with some other people who, literally the best people in the world at skydiving. So here's me who can barely stay in the thing with the best people in the world. By the end of it though, you know, I mean, we, we we had about an hour in the tunnel and by the end of it, I'm flying under people and going over the top and it was it was a lot of fun, man. Those guys are wizards though. They've been doing it for so long. Just, you know, chair sit, like sitting like this in the air and then flipping upside down and flying around upside down. It's insane, in, a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah.
3: It's pretty easy to believe that you would pick that up pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, dude, it, it, was, it was like super, in, it felt innate, right? Like it, as soon as you started to get the, the mechanics of it, you're like, okay, I know how to do this. And then as he was like, all right, now fly towards towards me. I kind of just have to like Superman, you know, I'm like, let's go. You yeah, know, and away yeah, we went. <laughs> that's so, awesome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, I love was, that. I was on set a couple years back uh, in Atlanta and a bunch of the guys wanted to go skydiving or wanted to go skydiving and I was ready to go. I was ready to rock, dude, we were gonna to go send big. it. We weren't really supposed to, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we weren't supposed to, because you're on set, you're not supposed to do anything that might potentially, yeah, yeah. you know, anything, oh, obviously. Um, but I looked it up, yeah, and they said the weight limit was 250 and I was like 255 or something else at the time. And I'm like, I. it might only be five pounds because you have to do tandem, but I am not risking that jumping out of a plane. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> no, I yeah. don't care.
0: The alternative yeah. would be you just jump out solo.
2: But I couldn't. I'd have to get all the training. You know? Yeah,
0: exactly. So you just go do that, and then you go jump. <laughs> yeah, he's like, just do the training,
2: Sick, dude. And then I'd be like, oh, what am I doing? Oh, I'm flipping a million miles an hour, and I have no idea what's going on.
3: Let's let's keep you uh, on the ground for now. Listen, yeah. dude,
2: I'm gonna Tom Cruise in a couple of years, but right now, yep, let's go all do right. you know proper training. <laughs> nah, dude, yeah. it would be awesome. I, I've always wanted to go, man. It would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's just you see the world in a different view, you know.
0: Yeah, that you definitely do. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So it's kinda hard to breathe when you go out the window.
2: Or out the I'm door sure. rather. Like a- you don't little...
0: wear, you don't wear a mask like everyone like they wear big helmets or whatever. Yeah. And you just go out and like it's rushing. You know, you're trying to breathe. <laughs> it takes a second. <laughs> wow. It takes a second. But um yeah.
2: Dang, dude. Would you like to talk about the reason you left the military?
0: It's a story. Yeah. yeah. So uh yeah, my exit from the military was not uh how I would have liked it to be. I was medically discharged and I was uh medevaced from Iraq in 2017. Uh, we'll tell a real quick, real quick down and dirty version on this. Cause it can go a little long. Um, l- leading into our deployment into Iraq, I was, uh, a competitive fitness. I don't, I don't want to say model, but competitive, uh, competitive fitness model, physique competitions, that type of thing. I uh, was sponsored with a company called Labrata nutrition, Lee Labrada, hall of famer, IFBB super cool dude daily. <laughs> um, but, uh, so fitness was a, was a huge part of my life. And, um, when we, when we deployed, that didn't change. Uh, you know, we'd get on night shift. I'm out in the gym first thing. And the first thing after we get the helicopter prepped, I'm out working out, you know, doing that whole thing. Two months into country, I, uh, I, I was getting workouts and like getting shocked as I was like, you know, trying to do a shoulder press or something like that. I was getting shocked all the way up in my arms. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And, uh, it, at the time, I was like, oh, maybe I strained it doing, I was doing a lot of front squats at the time, so maybe I went too far back and I strained something on both wrists or something. And I couldn't put my hands flat. That was, that was the real thing where I was like, all right, something's not quite right. My fingers started to like curl. And uh, and it was, it was like painful to open them up. And I was like, this is not good, but I'm still able to function and I'm still strong as hell, so we're good to go, you know? And so- uh, it got to the point though where, we're, like I was talking about earlier with the with the QRF mission, we run, we get in the truck, we race into the helicopter. Well, if I'm flying front seat that night, which in, in the helicopter you sometimes you fly front, sometimes you fly back, depending if you're going to be the pilot or the gunner, uh, you can fly from either seat. But anyway, you kind of have to crawl into the front on your on your hands and knees a little bit, unless you do like a duck walk. But I ended up just you know going on my hands, and I couldn't put my hands flat, so I'm getting into it like a gorilla, just on my knuckles, and and I'm like, this is not feeling great. Anyway, long story short. Commander finds out about it and she's like uh, Kat McNair. She's super cool, super cool lady and, and, you know, opened up her home after I ended up getting medevaced and props to you, Kat. I hope you're doing well. <laughs> um, but uh, she, um, uh, she's like, hey, how long has this been going on? And I was like, uh, a couple months, you know, like a month and a half, something like that. And by this time, you could not see any of my knuckles. So oh. everything was swollen. My wrist, yeah, you couldn't, I couldn't, put, you know, I couldn't fit my hand around that like that. It was like that. Wow, And and no, I didn't have, the veins were gone. Like everything was kind of disappearing really quick. But again, I, I was tired, but I was like, eh, I'm still, I still got the strength and that's really all, like, whatever. So anyway, she's like, all right, you need to go see the flight doc. I'm like, okay. So I go and uh, go talk to the flight doctor. And she uh, also was like, how long you have know, tell this story? does some blood work. And she's like, okay, well, you're going home for now. Uh, You need to go get some work done. And so uh, I ended up going to getting medevaced out of Mosul. We were actually based out of Erbil, but uh, uh, went to Baghdad and then over to Germany. Germany, they did a bunch of blood work. I was there for two weeks. What was interesting was in 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 the week that I spent traveling from Baghdad to Germany, I went from Uh, a fully functioning, like, you know, still strong, still walking around, was able to sprint, all this kind of stuff to hobbling around the hospital, the the military hospital in Germany, like a 90 year old man. I could barely walk. And my hands had now, like they were literally like stuck like this. I could, it was a a tremendous amount of effort to get my fingers to open up. And so- uh, Was that just the progression of what was happening? Yeah, Okay. Yeah, it was getting worse and worse and worse. And so- uh, you know, two weeks passed by. I had gotten every test under the sun um, and no answers. So I'm like, all right, I go to the doctor. I'm like, well, what's going on? And they're like, well, we don't know. We want to do a bone marrow test. We want to see what's going on. And, and, you know, we need to get more tests. And I'm like, I'm like, we you guys have taken like a gallon of blood. At least tell me what you're seeing so far. And he's like, okay, well, I mean, your Eosinophil count is really high. And I'm like, okay, I don't know anything about medicine. Okay. But no one cares more about you than you. I can tell you that. So I go home that night into my little hotel room and I jump on my phone and I start Googling eosinophils. Eosinophil is a type of white blood cell. Okay. So white blood cells are used to fight infection and all that type of stuff. Well, I Googled, started Googling, you know, white blood cells, eosinophils, and then my symptoms and ended up kind of solving my own issue because I was seeing things that the doctors weren't seeing. And that was the fact that Again, my hands were kind of doing this, and and I couldn't do this like put your hands together like a prayer sign, and that's like a, actually a, like a, a big symptom of this thing called eosinophilic fasciitis, which is an infiltration of your fascia uh, by white blood cells, and so fascia lines are supposed to run straight, and they help move your your you know fingers and toes and everything. They they do everything. Mine, uh, after we found this out, I ended up getting sent back to to washington uh, state and got a biopsy done. They cut me open right here, nice big little scar there and uh, uh, my fascia was all cobwebbed and like mm. no longer straight lines it was it was all mixed up and by this point in time, the eosinophil level was just through the roof. Uh, if it's left unchecked, it turns into it has a, a, the potential to turn into uh, uh, lymphoma or, or worse, and, and continue to till you're till you're done. Right. And so, um, ended up jumping on a, on a large dose of uh, prednisone, which is like the, ki- the king of anti inflammatory steroids. Um, <laughs> people hear steroids like, oh, nice, getting getting <laughs> more yoked. I'm like, nah, not nah, not that, not quite. Um, that that will wreck you. Uh, and it, it it saved my life it, it brought all of the inflammation down really quickly um, but the amount of time and money of my of my own time and money that I put into my rehab to get back to where I am today is the only reason that I am able to do the things that I do today
3: you know wow so you really did like research it yourself and figure it out oh, yeah. based off
0: what you were feeling after all those tests and all that yeah. There was, there was 300 cases of this in the past 35 years what? worldwide. What? Yeah. It's a, it's an extremely understudied condition. Um, so, so getting that diagnosis was difficult in the first place, but the surgeon, um, you know, he, he looked at the biopsy and he's like, yeah, this is, this is what it is. Uh, and so again, we went the we went the prednisone thing and that was the, that was the kind of mainstay for the course or whatever. Um, I'm not a huge fan of staying on drugs. Uh, I I I I hate that so many people have to take drugs to to just live their life. And so I started researching more homeopathic methods. Uh I ended up linking up with Wim Hof, uh the Iceman. Mm. We went up to to Canada together and and you know, did his method over in like real glacier water and and the breathing and and I started practicing that on my own. And that in combination with uh diet alterations, um, Actually helped and allowed me to reduce the amount of prednisone that I was taking and eventually wean off entirely. From time to time, do I have to do I have to take a little bit? Yeah, and and then it brings her back down. But yeah, I mean, went from sixty milligrams to you know a sporadic use. So that's incredible. A lot of work.
3: <laughs> it's like like you said earlier, you don't quit, right? You don't quit. You figure it out, and like that's a perfect example of that. Like yep. you're, I'm gonna find out what this is and solve it yep. and do whatever i have to do absolutely hell yeah man absolutely. did you ever
2: find out what the cause of it was
0: uh the army's best guess uh from the rheumatologist was the anthrax vaccine mm. that's uh we got it when we when we got in country and my symptoms started shortly thereafter Interesting. So, yeah. is that a mandatory thing
2: it is oh yeah well yep. it's definitely a vaccine that you would want right
0: yeah i mean yes and no oh well, it, obviously
2: yeah. given the circumstances yeah. there
0: there there there's been no anthrax attack in ever ever
2: yeah. <laughs> right. you know so it's like was uh, it great it was just ever the threat of that then yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well wow. so well you're still here
0: Still here, still kicking. You're, and uh, you're, you're a
2: great dude. You're a talented yeah. dude. Thank you. Uh, likewise. Well, also likewise. <laughs> I'll, I'll, everyone here at this table, let's just pat each other That's on the back. This is the, the triangle <laughs> of <laughs> creativity and yeah. success right here. Yep. Just the three boys. Yeah, dude, thank you for sharing that, man. Um, yeah, I uh, appreciate it as well. Uh, I've, You know, we've been friends for a long time, and I've seen you go through different diets yeah. and, you know, trying the Atkins and trying, and, you know, uh, more paleo. You've stayed away from a lot of-
0: did carnivore for a bit. That was a that was big was one,
2: at, yeah, yeah, man. And, but uh, you know, even working out with you sometimes and seeing the the effects of uh, early on, or I guess later on for you, but early yeah. on for in our friendship, and it's it was you still powered through, man. It's, that was <laughs> the most impressive thing, you know.
0: It's it's uh, thank you. Um, it's concerning on a on like a hypercontract level though. At times when I'm when I'm working out because you know all, all my veins used to used to be very yeah, very uh, pronounced when I was lifting prominent, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, prominent. Well, you're a professional, right? Yeah, you were competing. yeah. And, and so it was, it was very, very prominent uh, uh, veins. And now, if I like elevate a limb or whatever, it actually goes inside. The veins fall in because there's scarring from from the wow. from the disease, and so it, uh, which. I can't express enough like how, how painful that is, but if you know that fascia is the most sensitive thing in the body, you might be able to grasp a little bit of like what that might feel like.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's your entire body. Yeah. 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 Wow. Do you so, still feel pain? Oh yeah. Really?
0: Yeah. 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 But, but uh, your baseline resets, right? Your baseline uh-huh. of, of what, what pain is resets. Like if you're in pain every single day, eventually your tolerance gets a lot higher because you have it's to true. be able to function. Yeah. So. Oh my God, dude, <laughs> oh my.
3: the amount of like determination and like strong will it takes to figure that out, get through it, do the treatments, right? Like a lot of people, it, it takes determination just to do the healing process. Yeah. Um, that diet stuff isn't easy. That's no, like one of the no, no. quote simple ways you can do it. Yep. It's not simple. <laughs> like It's hard to be on a diet, you yeah. know, and yeah. like eat a certain way. Um, and that's just kind of one of the variables, but congrats oh. on figuring that out. And
2: thank you. Congrats on being a badass.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Fuck. Yeah, man. Hey,
0: dude, I told you laser focus, good or bad, yeah, man. blessing or a curse. Yeah. But, um, I, you know what? I do need to mention a podcast while we're on here. Mm. The Andrew Huberman podcast. Oh, if yeah. you have not heard any Andrew Huberman, that dude is a stud and just a, a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. And, and he's he's not selling anything. The guy's a Stanford professor and just puts out, health information studies and just unbiased. These are the facts yep. the guys. Amazing. Yeah. I, I'm buying a sauna because of the guy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I need more unbiased sources. Dude. So it's yeah. amazing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. His, yeah. That's some of his study. Like I remember as soon as he started getting really popular, right. Is right, I, he was like a Joe Rogan podcast or something right before that, that I had heard. And that's where I got, uh, the stuff to help with your, uh, sleep. Yeah. And that's what I started taking just these, these simple magnesium vitamins and, yep. and, uh, you know, it was Apigenin, and L- magnesium three and eight L three and yep. eight. Um, or three and sorry, L three and eight. But, uh, yeah, man, it's, you just sit there and listen. And you're like, thank you for being smart so that I don't have to, <laughs> exactly. my friend. Like, He's such a dude, man. Yeah. He is. He's yeah. such a dude. And he practices all this stuff too, right? Yep. He's, he's saying like, uh, you know, stay off your phone early in the morning and, yep. and before night, you know, make sure you turn that off and it just wrecks your dopamine and Lou, you lose focus. uh, uh, being productive and everything yeah. like that, and, and even i remember listening to one podcast i found fascinating because a lot of people deal with this we are so busy being so close on our yep. phones 24 7 and screens and this blue light and all this stuff yeah. that, that we don't look far anymore yeah. so everyone's their vision is yeah. getting nearsighted yeah. exactly so you're going to see more kids with you know coke bottle uh glasses yeah. and, and but the but this the way to battle it and it's our our eyes are not design the way that you think right off the bat. You know, it's not just like they're there and you see they have different lenses of of how they work, but actually long view uh, sightseeing or whatever you want to call it, helps battle that and it, yeah. incre- it makes your eyesight even better over well, time.
0: Well, you're contracting those muscles. Exactly. So look far to the focus. The focus exactly. Just yeah.
2: the the close receptors and then the, yep. the far, um, but that exercises out some muscle too. Well, kind of, or, even you know, muscle, I, but, you know.
0: even on, on meditation, on the way here, I'm driving over and he's talking about meditation and I'm like, I've tried meditation for for a long time and mm-hmm. I, I struggle with, you know, okay, I'm going to follow my breath. I'm, you know, got it. I'm following that and then exhale. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. He talked about, uh, and I'm going to mess it up, but extraceptive and introceptive forms of meditation. Mm. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? And there, if you if you find yourself being more in tune with your body, where you know, like I can I can hear my heart rate, I can hear, I can feel just different things. I'm very in tune with my body. If you're already there, it's probably better to do an extroceptive uh, meditation form, which is not closing your eyes and focusing internally. It's opening your eyes and, ex- and focusing on something externally.
3: Mm-hmm. Wait, I want to hear this. Uh,
0: <laughs> so what, how do you do it? Do you, do I, I, dude, I'm like halfway through it right now. I need to, I need to finish his podcast, but he's he essentially what it sounds like is like maybe staring into a fire and like just zoning out. I love staring into fire. I do, dude. And yeah. it feels so innate and natural of me just like zoning out into a fire. I can do it for, it just feels amazing.
3: My biggest form of meditation is when I'm driving. And if I'm at a light or if and not because I have like out of control road rage. I just like it's LA. It's crazy. But if I ever get, you know, a little bit stressed, you're at a red light, you're in a hurry. Yep. That's when I practice my breathing and my eyes are usually open and I'm usually focusing on a billboard, a car, yeah. Um, you know, something out there. Like
0: daydreaming. Just
3: yeah, oh. yeah, in, in a sense, I mean, more conscious than daydreaming, okay. I guess, but
0: pretty much scary, daydreaming. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, maybe I'm doing that without knowing the exactly. name of what I'm doing. Yeah. Exactly, that's, that's kind of what I was hearing as well when I was driving here, so. Yeah.
2: Cool, man. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Shout out to say. Andrew Huberman. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah,
3: yeah. Appreciate it, bro.
0: Absolutely. I hope to see you guys on here again soon.
2: Well, the good news is it's five o'clock and we get to send you back in traffic. So if you want to hang out for a little bit, feel
1: free. <laughs> Call of duty.
2: Yeah, we'll talk about uh, some some things we've got going on. You behind the scenes. You we're we're going to turn these off. We're going to go into work mode.
0: I yeah. love it. Yeah, Excellent. dude. Appreciate Excellent. you. All right. Good seeing you guys. Broski. Broski. <laughs> Broski.